0: Hey everyone, and welcome to today's classic episode of Attendance Bias, in which we go over Fish's show from July 15th, 2016 at The Gorge, and the guests from this episode were Jeff and Ben Fortgang, a father and son. Classic episodes of Attendance Bias for this week and the next couple of weeks are during the month of January 2022, when I'm basically taking a break from attendance bias and hopefully building up some episodes so that we could start anew this coming February or around the middle of that month. So I'm going back into the archives and finding some of my favorite episodes from the year and a half that I've been recording. And when I say favorite, that can mean a million different things. The reason that I picked out this episode with Jeff and Ben is for a few things. For one of the main reasons is that At the point, I had never interviewed two people at once. And I believe it was Ben who reached out to me on fish.net and suggested this show. And not only that, I thought it was interesting that he said that he didn't want to necessarily be the guest. He said, me and my father. And then he went on to tell me quite a bit about his dad. And I thought it was cool. And like I said, interesting that the person who messaged me wasn't focusing on himself. And I thought, a, that it would be cool to have a father and son duo. B, it would be cool to have an older guest. I want to say older. I would had guests that were older than me, but not by a generation, for example, as with Jeff. And also, I'd been to this show. And since I try to take the focus off myself for these episodes, I didn't really have an opportunity to gush about the gorge. And this would be one of my only opportunities to do so on this recorded format. This episode originally aired on March 31st, 2021, so a little bit less than a full year ago, but there were a number of things I loved about this episode, Uh, the touching nature between a father and son, uh, how much Jeff loves his family, and how inclusive the whole family is about going to see live music. And also, they're from Long Island, not far away from me, and so the minute that we uh, connected on our call... It was just so natural, so relaxed. We had so many common touching points that I felt welcome immediately, almost like I was literally in their house. So, ladies and gents, for the next hour or so, please enjoy today's episode of Classic Attendance Bias, July 15th, 2016 at The Gorge with Jeff and Ben Fortgang. everybody and welcome to Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. It's a family affair today on Attendance Bias because my guests for this episode are father and son Jeff and Ben Fortgang. Jeff and Ben chose to discuss The Fish Show from July 15th, 2016 at The Gorge, the legendary outdoor amphitheater in George, Washington. When Ben told me that his dad is a veteran taper who went to over 300 Grateful Dead shows, but it was Ben who got his father into fish, there was so much more I wanted to know. As you'll hear in this episode, my parents know absolutely nothing about my fish obsession. Well, they know about it, but they're far from understanding it and even farther from participating in it. So, the opportunity to explore the musical relationship between a father and a son, their adventure to the Gorge, it was immediately compelling. Add the fact that I grew up in the same general area of New York as Ben and Jeff, and we have unknowingly been to at least a dozen of the same shows. There was so much more to explore. Once Ben brought the first night of the Gorge in 2016 up, I was flooded with memories. Most of the memories were not of the music, though. They were more of the journey to the venue, the vibe once we got inside, and the stunning visuals that surround the stage. I was so eager to dive back into the show and relive that first night of my only visit to this unique venue. So fill up your gas tank, get your camping pass, and pack your hoodie as we join Jeff and Ben Fortgang to take a look back at July fifteenth, 2016 at The Gorge. Ben, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Attendance Bias. How are you guys doing today?
1: Great. Looking forward to this. We're doing good, Brian. Thanks for having us on. I've never had two
0: guests on at once so i'm really interested to see how my moderating skills come out if i oh, have yeah, any yeah. Well, well, we, have, we have to figure out how we're going to stop stepping all over each other yeah we'll,
2: well,
0: we'll figure you, it out well you guys are father and son so you've had a lot of practice i guess with yeah that. that's,
1: that's more yelling over each other <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> the, the mellow commentary is not
2: something we're great at
0: well nothing has to be mellow here that's totally fine especially about this show mm-hmm. but to get started i just wanted to ask where are you guys coming to us from? Where do you live? We're out in uh, Long Island. We're out in Suffolk County. I'm also from Long Island. I grew up my whole life in Merrick. It's always been a breeding ground for deadheads and oh, yeah. also mm-hmm. for fishheads too. Big mm-hmm. time all Absolutely. over the place. So my understanding, Jeff, is that you've seen 300 or more dead shows. And then it was Ben who brought you in to see fish. Yeah, it's true.
2: I, I I got into the Dead when I was about sixteen. Um, buddy of mine had older brothers. They kept trying to, you know, my beginnings in music. Kind of funny. I was my first was think about. it. I was born in sixty four. You know, you know, I, I saw the Dead for the first time when in, in eighty. But it was Kiss. Then it went. Then it went to Cheap Trick. Then it went to Neil Young, uh, Springsteen, and then I found the Dead. And um, for me, it was. Although I love all kind of music, you, you can get it on my iPod. I listen to everything. But from from 1980 to 95, it was all dead, all the time. Traveled, got to see the country, lived with a bunch of guys who were, we were all into it. Uh, we all were tapers. I started taping very quickly. Uh, I loved it. You know, I grew up uh, with the dead really behind the soundboard. It was interesting because you listened to the music, but you didn't speak. You didn't really share your opinions. You just nodded at each other when Jerry did something hot, um, and you just had your microphone. You had your uh, flashlight in your mouth, watch your <laughs> ears, and make sure you had good audio. Um, and I, I loved it. I just uh, and I married a girl who was Ben's mom. Was just the most incredible. She didn't really give a shit about the dad, but she was. She let me buy. We didn't have. We didn't have two nickels to up together, but I still had my dad equipment. And I would hit the road and just go and uh, yeah. So I was really, really in a lost place when Garcia died. Um, and, and fish just just were quickly. Fish was around, obviously, and I, and a lot of the guys who were in the taping scene, you know, they all had these fish stickers. They all told me to come. You should check it out. What are you doing? You just why wasting money just on debt only? And I said, because I'm not going to go watch a bunch of guys who jump on trampolines and blow into vacuum cleaners. And I missed out. <laughs>
0: And that's all you need to know about them, right? They jump on trampolines and play vacuum cleaners. That's That's all there is. That's
1: all they do, right? It was (laughs) self-proclaimed.
0: And so you mentioned how your deadhead friends, your taper friends, got you into fish. Ben, how did you get into fish? Was it from your dad, or was that more independent?
1: No, it was really independent. I think that I had similar music kind of journey with. Falling in love. Beatles, number one. That's kind of what opened the door to music for me. Um, And then Really, I played saxophone, so I got into jazz and a little more, like, exploratory music in that sense. Uh, We, my dad brought me to a ton of shows as a kid. I remember seeing Rat Dog at Old Westbury Theater, like, oh, my God, 30 people in there, maybe 50 people. I think Um, I was one of them, by the way. (laughs) Great shows. I love them. No, they're great. But I I fell in love with that scene, the dead scene. Uh, And my dad had these fish tapes lying around that he didn't have any interest in. And he had the live fish companion boxes like the it was a CDs. binder yeah the cd is like versions one through 20 and I, I really as a young kid fell into them after we saw trey open up for tom petty i think 07 it was at the garden again half empty theater we didn't realize what tickets we had until we walked in we were all in the front row and we we didn't know who trey was kind of knew of fish uh he he Ended the set with First Tube, and I said, I got to dig into his stuff mm-hmm. a little bit more. Dug into my dad's CDs. Fell in love with the Harpoos and the storytelling more so than anything with Fish. Too, that, was ben, ben,
2: that was Ben's bedtime story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, like, on my own, would fall asleep. It was either night after night, either the the dead pod, listening to a random dead show, or uh, Fish and listening to some story time from Trey. And In 2009, went to a show at MSG uh, at the December 3rd so I was there yep uh, almost 11 year anniversary tomorrow realizing really? yeah yeah um, so I went with my sister wow. was blown away punch opener like from the first note knew this was my next thing and then for the whole next year was saying tell my dad you got to check him out gotta check him out I played a uh, number line for him because I thought it had kind of a Jerry licks in it nice approachable song mm-hmm. uh, and true fish fandom form he looked up every version of it that had been played that year and kind of kind of got into it from that song. And then we brought him to uh, Jones Beach 2010. So I just want to correct one thing about it. Yes, my
2: friends, my taper buddies, a lot of them, not all, a lot of, a lot of guys with dead stoms like me, but a good many of them were fish heads. And I did not participate. I did not go to a single show. I did not ask for a tape. I just didn't give a shit. It was all dead. Um, so it was Ben who truly brought me in from, from, from a blank slate. I knew nothing about them. I, I, I had no history of them. Uh, and, you know, just the trampoline shit that I mentioned. And Benny said, please, he, the, whole, the whole driving thing is that he wanted me to take him to the show. He, he obviously wasn't driving yet, mm-hmm. and he needed me to be a chauffeur. Mm-hmm. And in order to get me into it, he, we sat in the car, he played number one, I said, that's pretty good. I went back, I listened, I went with him, go to the show open up with Fluff Head. They do a Cities, a Reba, a Wilson, a, a rock and rock roll. Up. Imagine that's your first show, I was like, by the end of Fluff, I was like, holy, jumping up and down.
0: And it's been, you know, over a hundred shows since then. So you knew backwards down the number line before you got to Jones Beach, right? Right. Okay, right. so scene for scene, parking lot, vibe in the audience, uh, sound coming from the stage, what were your thoughts compared to what you were used to in the dead? When I was into the dead, it was a dirty, grungy, gr- just really
2: shitty scene mm-hmm. to yeah. get me to buy a grilled cheese sandwich in a parking lot in the, you know, for there, was, that just wasn't happening. That was not me. Um, so, but, but, but the shakedown, I liked, I, I found that the scene in the parking lot was one of the first, if not the first time, that I actually got that vibe of a community type of experience musically. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. people who were going to a Pearl Jam show because they went to two Pearl Jam shows a year, or you know, maybe the Buffett shows, but I've never seen them. And the vibe was all of a sudden it took me back to this, this, this. It's a community. It's not just people coming in for a show because it's a local show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I found that really immediately pretty pretty heartwarming. Um, I really love that. You know, I was also in a real different head because I was there with my children. I took Ben and his sister. And, you know, it was it really, music's always been a huge part of my life. And, and, and having that to share with my kids was amazing. So when I got to that lot, I really felt different the first time since, you know, I, I went to a lot of Dead shows, uh, you know, The Dead, uh, yeah. The other ones, yeah. The other you know. And the scene was it was okay, but it was a lot of like you know, it was a lot of people I think jumped on it because it's cool to jump on it now, and there were a lot of people who love the music. So I kind of got into that scene. I did notice it was a much younger scene than I remember than, than the dead at, at I mean, fish at fish mm-hmm. a definite much much more collegey. Uh, I saw a few people, you know, traveling around, you know, my age, you know, a lot of, you know, some gray beards.
0: Um, now I'm one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit older than you. It blows my mind that it's been 11 or 10 years since, since then, but like (laughs) we've all gotten a little bit older since those shows. And yeah.
2: So, so that was, and then we went in and, uh, and you know, we, we had at the time we owned like this little box section down on the floor there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we'd seen a bunch of shows there because I owned it for the whole season, and uh, those guys came out. I see. You know, I was uh, amazed. The thing that really amazed me, well, the music blew me away with the sure, fluff, but the reaction from the crowd, the yeah. sing along, yeah. the glow sticks, which I had never experienced. Which I, I, I am like a, I'm, I'm like a, you know, for glow I'm sticks. a sucker for glow sticks. <laughs> he's like a <laughs> little, I'm like a little kid. Yeah. And uh and, and I love that and I, and then what really also struck with me is that there were kids on the on the, in the box next to us and like literally holding each other it with just pure joy. They didn't look stupid, like they were they looked like it was just they were just so happy and yeah, it's, it's pure kind of struck
1: me. Mm-hmm. It was a dead vibe again. I remember at the show, you were cracking up at this little dude next to us who knew every single word. And you're like, how does this guy know every... Because he didn't look like... Not that there is a typical fan look. Um, but- no, he was not. He was He was
2: not. <laughs> yeah. But he, you know, it was just a community scene. It definitely hit me. And then when you added in how spectacular a band they were, holy mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. I was drawn in. Mm-hmm. Note one.
0: And you mentioned that how it was a little different for you because you were with your children. And the reason that I got back to Ben on fish.net was because you mentioned that you and your father would like to be on together. And that was that's unique. When I was getting into fish, it was like with my parents, I was, I was into it and they kind of didn't know. And I don't know if I didn't want to know, but they weren't that interested. Uh, we shared musical bonds, pretty much Billy Joel and the Beatles, like the safest white bread stuff you could get into and the only show that i remember seeing with my dad that my dad took me was at jones beach it was in 1996 and it was jethro tull with emerson lake and palmer opening good show man it was a good show (laughs) i was so excited and but my point is the reason i bring that up is because my dad and i never shared that musical bond is aside from the basic stuff that everyone might listen to on family road trips, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I'm wondering if you go and you said now you go with your sister, right? You go with your siblings, uh, Ben. So do you you like family dynamics kick in when you're at a fish show together? Or is
1: it just like, you're all just fans in a group? Um, you know, we're so biased as family. First has just been a, a staple of ours and, and a mission statement. So, it, no, for I think it didn't until I actually met my girlfriend of almost four years now at, at Spac, and all of a sudden I got indoctrinated. I did fish for so long with um with just thought. I mean, it was me, my dad, and my sister. It was never weird because that's just how I knew fish and like, right. that's just how I did fish. Um, and God bless him for bringing us to all these shows and, you know, making the road trips and getting the tickets. So, um, at, at no point did it ever cross my mind, like this is weird or this is unique or this is odd. Um, because we, we liked sharing those moments together. Um, uh, it didn't get weird until I got a little bit older, wanted to experiment more, was all of a sudden surrounded with other people that thought it was maybe odd, uh, gave it one or two shows and they're like, no, this is the most beautiful special thing ever watching us like hug each other and cry at shows together. Like there's nothing better than that. So, uh, no, I'd say it's something that was just been inbred in our experience from day one. So it doesn't strike us as odd or weird at all. Plus, all the positive feedback we always get from everyone uh, helps it as well because it is, like you said, it's a special, unique, beautiful thing that we get to have.
2: Yeah, yeah I get choked
1: up just thinking about it right now. Even
2: just, it's. <laughs> listen, I'm a big family guy. That's on yeah. my headstone. It, it's it's husband, father, and and you know everything I love, I want to share with my kids because I I had I didn't have these experiences with my dad. My mm. dad was. You know, not a music guy. He wasn't a really warm kind of huggy type guy. He wasn't, you know. And I wanted to share everything I loved with my kids. And this is why this show that we're going to discuss was so extraordinary
0: for me. Fish, specifically summer 2016, they played a very long tour that year. It started in the Midwest, which is kind of odd. They usually end in the Midwest. But they started there. Toward the end of June, shows in Minnesota, Chicago, Deer Creek, and then they did that big East Coast run. I saw them twice at The Man that year. And the shows were, in my opinion, kind of uneven. I know we're under a no-criticism rule here uh, uh, based on our
1: – No-criticism rule. Here. Yeah,
0: but I, I didn't love, especially the second night at The Man. Wasn't a huge fan. They went to Syracuse where they stopped for – not stopped, but they had five days off, and then – That's when it picked up on the West Coast in the gorge for two nights down to San Fran, Los Angeles, Chula Vista, Mm -hmm. and then Lockin Festival at the end of August. And then, of course, the blowout at Dick's. So that year I went to the men. I was at these two nights at the gorge, went to San Francisco to meet my girlfriend's family for the first time. They're from and she's from San Fran. Mm -hmm. So those three nights were awesome. And then we went down to L.A., which was less than spectacular. And I'll leave it at that. So where were you guys in 2016 that led you out from New York to Washington?
1: 2016 Gorge. I had X'd off saying, I need to go there. This is going to be my big fish trip. I want to check out the Gorge. I hear great things. I think it's part of like the necessary treks as a fan that you need to make. And, and sure. It's a checklist. It's a rite of passage sort exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and very, very last minute, my sister and my dad said, yeah, we'll come with you. And thank God they did, because I would have been a lost puppy at the gorge. <laughs> now, looking back and having done it twice, uh, it, it, it's a, it kicks your ass getting, <laughs> just getting there, let alone experiencing it. Getting to the gorge, I knew I wanted to go. My dad last minute joined. My sister, even after that, <laughs> joined in. So much so that she flew into Seattle the day of the show uh, and then went to the Gord show. She must have been in days daze for that first night going into that show. Uh, I think I covered it all, unless there's any other notes you, you know,
2: have. I'll, I'll just say, look, looking through 16, I'm looking back through my fish.net shows. You know, um, it was probably, I'm looking, I'd probably done 50 some odd shows by the time I got to that one. And we had already done Super Bowl. We did Super Bowl. We we had Ben and I had gone out to the Bill Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, we did we did the Zeppelin
0: show. Um, we, I we, love that show so much. That oh, Zeppelin show. Oh my god!
2: That yeah. that that show was so special. That's another one that comes up. But the, the Gorge was a little different for me, which I'll get into with you after. Um, you know, but we had we had done the, uh, the we did the Walk and Glen shows in fifteen, but in sixteen. Early 16, I guess, was the first shows in Riviera Maya. And we did those shows together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then we came back and we did a big break. We didn't go again until, uh, until Hartford, um, a week before they did The Gorge. It was on the 9th. Mm-hmm. And it was the only show I went to with, with, Well, I was sick. And I just didn't dig the show because I was sick, and that was the only reason why, and Ben's remembered it as a good show. Mm-hmm. And then we, he decided he wanted to do the gorge, and, um, and, 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 and I said, "You know what? I want to do it. I never got there. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just do it. You know We were able to afford it. let's go and have some fun. I wanted to, do, I wanted to give the kids things I couldn't do, which I, it was hard for me to travel around when I was young with the dead, so I, mm-hmm. So we, drew, we flew out there. Ben and I flew out there. Uh, we spent the night in Seattle. Got ourselves a rented pickup truck to act like a bunch of tough guys out west. <laughs> and, and <laughs> we city slickers. Hit the, mm-hmm. hit the Denny's. Hit, hit the Denny's for the, for the midnight. Uh, Grand slams. Yeah. It was delish. And then Hannah landed. We got Han. We went and we are driving and we're driving through Seattle and the beautiful trees and the beautiful cliffs and everything. Then we're out on the outskirts of the city and there is nothing. It's flat. Yep. And you have these alien-looking watering systems, and there's nothing. And I'm driving going, what the hell did I just do? Flying across the country Mm -hmm. to not even, you know, I used to love traveling to dead shows on the East Coast. You pass by these beautiful, I'm like, there's nothing here. Why do people rave about this? And I'm like, this sucks. And we park in an open field um, because we weren't staying on the premises. Because I'm not a big, I'm not a big, at this point in my life, I'm not a big camping out guy. Sure, Stayed at a hotel, and um, we get there, we're parked in the lot, and we're talking to people, we're having a good time getting psyched, we know we're gonna go see the band, but I'm also saying to myself, What the hell did I just do? This is this is crazy. So, the scene I'll give you, we start walking towards the theater, and you know, if you get to that area where it begins, you begin moving uphill, yeah, it ascends, yeah, it's, it ascends, and you see, like, you know, on the sides, you've got the, the food, the beer, you've got you know, this. And, you know, stop, let's grab something to eat. And I'm just like, you know, grab a couple of beers and I'm walking going, what, 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 what's the big deal about here? And I think some guy comes up behind us and like said, welcome to, the... and I said, yeah, I'm looking forward to He goes, you've never been here? And I go, he goes, get ready. Yeah. We get, to, we get to the top of the cliff. And as we said, you know, family for us is a real big thing. I get choked up every time I think of this is the reason I brought up the show. I get to the top of that cliff and I look over thankfully I had my sunglasses on cuz it it just I just started crying in it. and the fact that my children were with me was just it, it, you know that's the reason I picked this show is that moment of hitting the top of that peak.
1: Mm-hmm. For
2: someone who loves live music as much as I do, someone who loves music, for someone and travel who has the a traveler that has this passion and, and, and this commitment to music, taping and listening, and, be, and then having my children with me.
0: There's yeah. no words to express it, despite the fact that we're both on a podcast in front of microphones trying our best. Ben, you nailed it. It's like, it took forever. Mm -hmm. to get there. It really had the feel of the festivals that they used to have in Loring, Maine, Loring Air Force Base in Limestone, Maine, which Mm -hmm. is five miles north and 10 miles east is Canada. Like that's how far up and out of the way it is. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you would just be on the road for 24 hours in traffic and just, it really feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. And then all of a sudden this huge, huge, breathtaking scene is set up right in front of you it really had the feel of a festival we were camping on site so we mm-hmm. had that part of it too we met up with a few friends and when i hit the top of that hill my jaw dropped i felt very small all of a sudden you know just as a person as a soul i mm-hmm. felt very small like i was being
1: i was seeing fish at the ends of the earth mm-hmm. i like, like the way you said that I yeah like but like you said, if you, it's so big and sweeping that you you don't even notice the weather or anything because you're just looking at this vast landscape and, and the sunset that happens for three hours. It never ends. You've got to experience the mm-hmm.
2: venue, mm-hmm. not the show. The show is just a side. It's just a side.
0: I don't remember anything about the first set because like you said, I was just looking to my left to the sunset the, the whole sunset. time. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I couldn't get over it. And it was... I won't say just ancillary that fish was there, but it was all like, like Jeff, like you said, they weren't the focus. It wasn't about the band. It wasn't even necessarily about the music.
1: It was about everything. I think what I love about fish so much is no matter, and why I keep coming, coming back, it's, yeah the scene's great yeah i got my family yeah i got my friends but it's really because it's four guys making the best music that i you i think you could possibly find and and it doesn't matter where you're doing it It doesn't matter what they're playing i just want to see where they're going to take it and to all of a sudden have that be second to your experience it, it makes the gorge what it is
0: so let's get into the show we're there, the band comes on, and they open a two-night show at this legendary venue with Tweezer.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jaws dropped everywhere. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Love awesome. Tweezer. Tweezer's my, my song I will take at any show ever. It's my, my vehicle of choice. I, I love Tweezer. Um, I, I think what I remember from that Tweezer is we were still kind of – trying to find our spot. Um, and I think I, I was reading uh, your notes and you mentioned on the odds someone's like, Oh, this is this great spot. It sounds perfect. Um, and we have me right in between two speakers. So we were still kind of wandering around and where we ended up for the show was at the, we found a friend who was at the bottom where the gate is. So kind of uh-huh, fence, finding, the fence line right by the rock. Up. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so probably under there at the end of the tweezer, but yeah, the cool tweezers Or the show. Didn't go like crazy deep.
2: I, I think I think with I think there are certain songs you know there were dead tunes of course when you heard the first notes of a morning dew or you know trying to write, you know there's there's always those iconic songs that when it's when it's placed you get that different elevation from the crowd mm-hmm. and tweezer is definitely one that the raw. Is it's always a roar, there was always that excitement of the particularly an opening note. Mm-hmm. But when they drop that note, yeah. it's just yeah, it's a roar, it's yeah. not like a yes, it's yeah. just a it, it's
1: it's a it's a just a primal, ah. yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. just like subtle head nods, yeah. it's high yeah. five, it's right into <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: right? I mean, you're they're sending a message in a way, yeah. not not in words, but yeah. just we're here, we mean business and we mean fun business, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is pretty short right it is an opener they're very much in the first set opener mind frame that Mm -hmm. let's get it going but we can't stay on too long and they go into a back-to-back kind of first set specials of sample in a jar that's very good it's like a great number two hitter yep i agree no that's great placement and a good version i liked it a lot and then moving on to the old home place, which they hadn't played in a while. I think I wrote down since 2012.
1: Yeah, I see. Nice, yeah. And I love that song. I think my bluegrass, fishgrass song of choice is probably yeah. old home place So I was thrilled to have it. And
0: to back that up, then it's Wolfman's Brother, which I think of it, it's kind of switched places since I first started seeing the band. In 3.0, it's Wolfman's is a good reliable like first set with back on the train like kind of a 10 minute Mm -hmm. first set four Mm -hmm. or five songs in type one jam energy boost
1: i think the last couple years particularly 2019 brought some really good wolfmans i don't know if this is a standout version but it keeps the energy going from that tweezer opener uh which i think the set kind of becomes a tale of two Two sets, like towards the back. At a back, weird right. side note, we love that because
2: Ben's a hairy bastard, and we always tell his, <laughs> we his brother Jacob, who does not join us in most shows, that he's the Wolfman's brother. He's the
0: Wolfman's brother. <laughs> so we get a little kick out of that. That's right. So, but it's good. It 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 reaches a lot of peaks. Wolfman's mm-hmm. brother does here. It doesn't veer off its typical progression, but it it does what it needs to do. It does, and it does a really good job of it.
1: Yeah, like like I, I think that 2016 gets a lot of knock for i'm not sure why probably just coming off of the heels of 2015 but i do think the type one playing in 2016 particularly the west coast of this summer tour was was really good from what i remember um and and deserves another listen i think that it's what you said that 2015 was such a peak
0: year that it would be hard for any other year to measure up but also they were introducing a lot of songs to the rotation that were not universally well received there's a lot of songs off big boat like tide turns or breath and burning and that's not gonna get you going
2: no no it's a good point i i I don't critique i don't critique but there are certain
0: songs i do not (laughs) fair enough i I, I don't i don't have a problem if they're not played yeah that's a tough album but and also they introduced the marimba lumina which i was gonna say I, i actually was looking at my notes of the show
2: and like I said, it, I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit because like I said I don't I don't critique. Every time Trey got up and went behind that goddamn thing, I don't know if you liked it yourself. I don't, and I'm not judging. you I couldn't stand it. I'm like, yeah. And I like when guys do. You know, I like when they do things. Yeah, old, you you want, you you allowed Jerry to do the midi. Yeah, <laughs> I love Jerry. I love when Jerry was playing the violin through his guitar. Yeah. I loved it because I heard I have I have thousands of hours of Jerry hitting regular shows, so I didn't have a problem. But that yeah. thing, for whatever reason, that thing would just, out was straight to the bathroom. Yeah. But
0: it was, it was every year, or even at most tours, Trey gets a new toy. Yeah. Always. In, yeah. in 2010, it was the Whammy pedal. In mm-hmm. 2015, it was the Mutron pedal, because mm-hmm. uh, he was preparing for Fair Well. Yeah. And in 2016, it was the Marimba Lumina, and I think that it kind of, you know, you asked what I thought of it, but it's also, what do you think of drums and space? You know, it depends on the night. It depends yeah. on your headspace. I think that most people's reactions to the Marimba is kind of what you said. It depends on your taste and it mm-hmm. depends on the night. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be introspective and deep and close your eyes and flow with it. Or it could be, who needs a beer? I'm going out to take a piss. You know, it depends on the night. But for this, it didn't come in until much later. Mm-hmm. After... Where do we leave off? whole fans brother, right? So All after fans, that, yeah, we got a bouncing, and then yep. bouncing,
2: we were going into bouncing.
0: Yep, which is still, I think, the most accessible Fish song, maybe along with Sample in a Jar and Farmhouse. It's always welcome. I, I love, love it. it. I love like bouncing. I, I love it. It gets it. it.
1: weird hate, and I think that falls over from 1.0 for some reason, but it's a song everyone loves. I agree,
0: it's silly that. Well, it got a lot of hate in 1.0 because they're carbon copies of one another and that's the snobby fish heads who think that everything has to be jammed out, but there's something to be said for writing a perfect four-minute song that is always fun. I I agree with you, I'm happy. Every time I hear it, I'm happy. And then they moved on to Undermind where Trey was on his Echoplex pedal and Paige began to play the lead melody for a few seconds and they almost ended early. Mm -hmm. And a recurring theme by this point that I heard re-listening to the show is that Paige takes over a lot in this set. He was really leading the way.
1: It's, it's nice when he's leading jams. I, I personally love when Mike is leading jams a lot. I think that those take jams to the best spot. But 2016 and 17, I think a lot of Baker's Dozen shows has Paige pushing the envelope, saying, no, let's explore this a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I definitely hear a lot of that in this show and during that Undermine particularly. And then they come back with Kill Devil Falls, which always takes
0: me back to Jones Beach. Mm -hmm. Because the year before you guys saw them there, when they came back in June 2009, they debuted it Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time, a lot of fans were split on it. A lot of people loved it just because it's an upbeat rocker. And since we're kind of mixing Fish and Dead here, a lot of people just called it Fish's Alabama Getaway. Yeah, that's this a good goes fact. to the giddy up, and I don't think that's in yeah, yeah, it. A good tune. Yeah. Well, that's the thing; it's not an insult. Yeah, to...
1: no, no, it's a, it's a good comparison. I mean, it's the same with the Ocelot, Tennessee Jet, or whatever. I have some but, personal. I, I have personal. You know, I I, I like
2: the message of Kill Devil Falls. Yeah, I like the message. It 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 resonates with me for for certain mm-hmm. ways, but and, and I I like it.
1: I like song rips. Good. I love Kill Devil Falls. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, it. yeah. and yeah. it's built. It's gotten better. As oh, a lot of great. fish songs yeah, and, do. Yeah. Then we go Long Boy. We got the ass hand, Long Boy. I, long I boy, and it. long and boy and ass yeah. handed.
0: Well, long I, I, Boy, yeah. Long Boy
1: back to back. I also I, love, think songs like Long Boy would make Fish fish, and why I, I personally love them. I love theatrics, antics, all that crap. Yeah, Benny's into that stuff more than Dad is. I, I, I
2: <laughs> you know, I'm not. He loves. He's oh, like you said. He, he, when he first found Fish, my wife and my my wife and I and my daughter have rooms downstairs. My two boys are upstairs, and I would literally hear fish coming out from underneath his door at night when he was when he was a kid he was like he found fa- the music it was what were mm. you 10 12 something, 12 like that.
1: something yeah right and there. he
2: and, and he put himself to sleep and he loved those he loves even when they they do it now it still had, it hits a warm spot for him that's great long boy makes me smile you know it's funny but i'm not uh it, it's it's to me it's, it's just a song it's a funny goofy song yeah other people revere it
0: mm. Well, at the Baker's Dozen, I think a lot of us revered it for sure, but that's a whole other podcast. I yeah, think, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and so all. Paige came out. He said, Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Gorge. And Trey made a joke. He said, I love the drumming in this song, <laughs> yeah. which I yeah. thought was a pretty good one, Was led into S Handed because yeah. that's, a fi- that's Fishman's newest song. This was yeah. its debut. Yeah. Funny.
2: I laughed. Yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on.
0: I couldn't catch the
2: no, lyrics. No, but you're your like, first. what are they saying? I, I mean, couldn't catch you're, the lyrics. Like, I don't know what
1: the fuck they're saying. <laughs> what are they saying? But I think the outro is bad. It reminds you of "Fuck Your Face" with like that sick outro that you want. Them yeah, to with it reminds me of "Ha Ha Ha" actually, where uh. it's like these
0: the, the fish song where it's like these goofy weird yeah. lyrics, but it has a pretty strong. Rock yep. and roll riff. Yep. Zeppelin show. Ha ha, ha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so after Ass Handed, Trey says, let's do another John Fishman song. These two are related somehow. Yeah. And they went into Party Time, which I love. It's since they debuted it. Mm-hmm. Party Time's a fun but It's a party, so yeah. we'll be a Party Time. Yeah. And then we step into the Big Boat era of the of the set, which is the Lion and
1: Tide turns back to back. <laughs> the line is, at that point, had have they,
0: have they been playing the
2: line quite a bit by then? Oh, yeah. yeah. And
1: I think you turned to me and you're like, I like the song. I don't care about the haters. I <laughs> don't care about the haters. I don't <laughs> give a shit about the haters. I don't mind the song.
2: I love the line of the, you know, I love the genesis of the song. Is Trey yeah. watching this? And Trey's such a positive, uppy guy. And he picks this horrible <laughs> moment in this guy's <laughs> life, the worst moment in his life. And Trey turns it, and I kind of thought to myself at that point, I'm like, maybe he's not that normal, you know? <laughs> no, he's not normal. He might look okay, but he, he, That's he a fucking <laughs> wicked songs <to>,
0: that on <laughs> somebody's worst moment. Uh, but I, I like the whistling. I got no problem with that song. I like the song. And, well, he talks about how Trey does when he was pulled over on, I think it was 91, right? Whitehall, New York, how yeah. he thanked the cop for pulling him over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he has a way of seeing the worst moments of yeah. someone or his own life as yeah. putting oh, a understand. positive. He brought it up
1: in the beacon, yeah. He even shows, he yep. said, listen, he's like, let's try to look at the positives he's yeah. like, I made this yeah. happen. Yeah. definitely spins things. Sobriety has, has had an impact on him and, you know, it's. But late, you know?
0: Yeah, and we're all benefiting. <laughs> from it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. then it went into tide turns, which I see in line with pardon the pun with the line that it would fit in perfectly at like an afternoon set or a, a beacon jam set. I don't know if it fit the vibe at the gorge right here. I think this was when people were like, all right, yeah, I'm going to go get yeah, it. Right? So I, right. I
1: remember at separate some dude turning to us being like pretty pissed. And he's like, I can't believe I drove all the way. He's like, that set started off so hot. And then for them to do that, uh, and we're always so positive. Like, eh, we thought it was okay. Yeah. And then, then we saw him again later in the show and he had a completely different reaction. It was like, i uh, yeah. every it's time.
2: Tie turns, tie turns. I think you just, the way I'm going to think about it, you, you you've now embedded in my brain forever song, oh. that that was a Beacon song. Yeah. Yeah. It's A it, perfect, perfect Beacon song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got that. You put that. That's the way I will always think of that song.
0: <laughs> and they closed the set soon after that, right, with Rift and Walls of the Cave. Awesome combo.
2: I agree. I've always appreciated Walls of the Cave. I very early on in my dead in my uh, in my fish fandom was one eleven eleven, when yep. they was the first set, and Benny and I. This is when they still had seats assigned seats on the floor at the garden, mm-hmm. and and that was a, this first time I heard Walls of the Cave, and I mm-hmm. loved it. I loved it. Yeah,
1: that yeah. We kept asking what was that song, and they're like Walls of the Cave. We're like, no, the next one. Yeah. We, we thought it was two different <laughs> yeah, songs. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it has such a big turn at the end. But yeah, we, we, we love it. Yeah, I love it. I think
2: it's a great set ender. Yeah,
1: it is. I can't think of where else you would put it in a set. It is a, almost but, a perfect set. You know, set no, it's interesting when you say that, because when we
2: talk about The Dead, one of the things that really was sad for me at the end was that they basically had five openers, three or four set closers. You know, and you just knew. Your, your list of songs were so small mm-hmm. that you'd hate them. But Walls of the Cave, I'm never disappointed hearing it. even even though I know it's always going to be, as you said, 95% of the time it's going to be at the end of the set. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. I'm never unhappy when it comes out. Then we rip into set two.
0: Yep. So starting with the second set, I love this set. I am such a sucker for set list games and antics Mm -hmm. where they weave in and out. I can't get enough of it. it. You know, one of my first favorite tapes was Fish played in Orlando at a nightclub called The Edge in, I think it's April 30th, 94. And during David Bowie, during the intro, they played a riff from every song they played previously in that set. Yeah, Just to close with Bowie. It was like it encapsulated. And I'm like, no other band I've ever heard does this or whatever think to do this. That was the night of my 30th birthday. Happy birthday!
2: April 30th, 94. I was 30 years old and I missed it because I blew everything with them. And oh my god, a
0: club. But the reason I bring this up is because this set kind of threw me back to that, where it was basically five songs. I mean, mm-hmm. it really might be six on the set list, but it's really just five with uh, a, a out, yeah, with a weave. No man. they open with Cross Eyed and Painless, and I said, just like Walls of the Cave is a perfect set one closer. Cross-eyed and painless is the perfect set to opener. Mm-hmm. Awesome! That's one of those special raw sounds from yeah. the crowd.
2: That's yeah. a special. That's a special one. So the next song is you're going to bring up is the one that that I'm just going to say something about it. Is that so? Benjamin had he loves the song. What's the use? I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know it that well, even though i had been to a number of shows. I didn't know it that mm-hmm. well. And he was standing in front of me. And my daughter was standing with me. He was up against the fence line that we mentioned, and it comes on. And I could just see, and again, I get emotional about this because, as I've said, for me, it's not just the music; it's the experience with my kids. And I see him just get really emotional. I see him start really getting emotional. Started, you know, he was crying. He his hands were up like this, and I just grabbed my daughter, I put my arms around her, and I said, "Just look at that! I just look at that. That's just like yeah, it's the best. Just it's look at yeah. that. It's just that's what it's that's what it's all about."
0: What does it do for you? Like, what is it about what's the use?
1: Uh, it's it. I mean, that song is it. And, and I, there, it's that. <laughs> I, there's specific versions I remember that really take me there. One being Magnaball, with mm-hmm. just not, maybe not even the playing, but just the absolute silence of the entire crowd is a moment that you rarely get with Fish. Fish is usually a rock and roll, hands in the air going nuts. So those like really nice, quiet, everyone hanging on to a note is what you get to experience with What's the Use, which is probably why I love it so much. Um, you know, with the Dead Ties that we've been doing, you know, Stella Blue is like a song I love. And like, sure. does, it's, you hang on to every single note and, and that Jerry's playing or singing or the band's playing. Uh, and you get that with What's the Use. And um, I got there with The Gorge with, with this one and between being there, getting there, hearing that song, which I happen to be chasing. And whenever... You're chasing a song. That means you're not gonna get to hear it. Of course and, not. Typically, how it goes. And I, I was really hoping to hear it, so I was thrilled to get it. But but this what's used was the highlight for me of that set at the time.
0: But my favorite part is toward the very end. That this song is so delicate. It's so soft. It's very dynamic. And Fishman has these Keith Moon-like drum fills, but they're with so much touch. Mm-hmm. Which, as big a Who fan as I am, Keith Moon did not have touch at all, right? He was like animal, like you know every hitting everything as much as he could. Fishman plays some fills in what's the use that go about 90 miles per hour, but mm-hmm. he sounds like the most graceful jazz drummer in the world. So it was like two of my favorite things blended together perfectly. Mm-hmm.
2: Was con- he is so effortless. That, I mean, yeah, that's a good that, way to put it. Effortless.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is John Fishman, and that's what he does, and that's why the band's named after him because he's doing these ridiculous, jazzy drum fills and pockets that are so effortless and so loud but so subtle. He's yeah. barely moving. Yeah. He, he's he's a, brilliant. a master. He's brilliant. Talk up. about him all day. And he showed it on that, too, man. That was. Yep. Cool. Mm -hmm. And
0: so the next song is really a change of pace When you go from that outer space What's the use To the grounded funk of No Man in No Man's Land And to me, this is where the whole set took a turn This is where the gags really started I think it's just When Trey thinks something is funny He just has to keep doing it Like everyone has to think it's funny Like Spatchcock And like Like (laughs) Spatchcock The pen And science The pen The pen The the pen And I screamed Yeah everything has to be hilarious and i think quoting cross-eyed and painless or yeah cross-eyed and painless in no man in no man's land Mm -hmm. and then mixing them together and what's the use later on in the set we'll get there Mm -hmm. but once he got it in its head in his head he's like one of my middle school students who thinks something's goofily hilarious for all day and no one else gets it I loved it i loved it i loved it too and I, loved it. I mean i just remember having so much fun at this point i could picture myself here right now yeah. i was just at i wouldn't even say at peace with the world because
1: i wasn't calm i was like jumping up and down i was dancing everything was good it was dance party i remember total crowd eruption goodbye this was one of those shows and probably this track in particular is what i remember everyone really going apeshit for oh yeah um but it was one of those sets that when it finished up, everyone's high and going nuts, like high energy. And it yeah. really yeah. started from this no man's and just went through the entire rest of the set. Uh, because like you said, the cool down from what's the use, it's kind of hard to get out of that. Yeah. And see where the set's going to go. And they did a really nice job.
0: Yeah. Toward the end, Trey plays a tease of Stash. And I think he wanted in his heart of hearts for the whole band just to come together at the same time. And God bless them. It mm-hmm.
1: just not this time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah a little train wrecky but uh, i'm happy they stumbled into it yeah it's yeah. good it's all in good fun but i, I like the stash a lot and I, I was happy to listen to it again today that i totally forgot about it um because i, I don't think there's a lot of standout versions and i want to call this one a standout but um it, it was different and weird and and part of the it fit in with the show really well with what they were doing with experimenting and, and mm-hmm. trying different things on 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 these songs. And then your your heart can swell again because they come back in with a
0: what's the use quote mm-hmm, toward mm-hmm. the middle and end of it. this it makes the whole set at this point i think felt very cohesive Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of first sets in 2016 were kind of like jukebox like a lot of songs you know 12 or 13 songs in a set this really felt like one giant piece of music split up into different songs
2: Mm -hmm. yeah well said that's what it was it just it was nice
0: yep and then into ghost which is immediate like right after stash ends they start it right away and i wrote down this is a flawless
1: set list I actually was hoping they did a little more with this ghost, and I think this is the one where they kind of all do drum solo, marimba, the or, organ, L- lumina, L- yeah. lumina, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if this ghost went a little bit deeper, we, we would actually be talking about one of the better sets of the entire year here. Um, but I, I think that they didn't take the jam to a place, or like too quickly, went to that marimba lumina for for my own liking, personally. For my liking, they were doing still waiting guitar teases at 20
0: seconds and then what's the use at about two minutes. So I was just bring more, Evan, fun. whatever it's, you want,
2: Kevin. Man, you know, for me, it used to just be tapes now. It's with social, with the with the uh, internet and stuff. You have thousands of times you can listen to fish mm-hmm. playing straight fish rock and roll, True. killing music. These are the special ones, and I think they do it, and I think they also understand where they are when they do it. I think that the gorge. Is a special place. I, I think that they, you know, if they're playing in Hartford, they're probably not doing this this set. Mm-hmm. They get the moment. They get the moment, and and they still, you know, they don't throw the set away by being by being bad at what they do. Correct. They just live up to the moment, and I like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it goes right into chalkless torture, which is an incredible call because normally at this point
1: you get something like dirt or. Yeah. Or Or what's the use? Or
0: or another what's the... (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: No, but I hear you just saying a slower one. The the chalk dust, again, kept the party going and the high energy going. It was a short one and good. And I think that I don't remember when they kind of stopped doing the really extended chalk dust because they they had some really crazy ones in 2014. And I think that this one could have went there. Uh, But I was a really big fan of the transition into the meat stick. Me too. And I think it was accidental. Mm-hmm. Like a happy accident. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Vanity's a meat stick guy, loves it. Well, it was spaced into it, like
0: really nice. Yeah, well, they tried that that coda at the end of Chalk Does Torture, you know, with the climb and Fishman does the really fast yeah. paradiddles. And Trey, one of them slowed down. I don't know if it was Fishman or Trey, but one of them slowed down and they just kind of abandoned, they just jumped ship mm-hmm. rather than try to finish it the way it, quote, should finish. Yeah. And then they just started the meat stick and it was just a fun party Mm -hmm. to follow up maybe the best jam of the set, I thought, in chocolate. to start wrapping up, they played 2001, which was the perfect place in the perfect time.
2: That's just always, uh, it, it, it's such a community, you know, it, it's just, it, it's like a tribal song where everybody, you know, it's kind of like a terrapin where everybody hits the same exact hand motions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the sunrise, some climb. And I'm a big hands up in the eye, in the yeah. sky. I really am. I'm the guy <laughs> who got his hands up all
1: night
0: long. <laughs> I hope you're not too tall. I don't want to ever be behind you then because I won't see.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of leave enough that you can see in between. Right. I don't keep them all, but I'm a hands up guy. And I'm even throwing in- punches all night when they whenever
0: whenever they turn up whenever they turn the white lights on, I'm the guy with the fist up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even on. more still waiting quotes in yeah. 2001. I wrote, yeah. I can't get enough. Mm-hmm. More guitar led, no man in no man's land, and it's stuff like this. That makes a set go very quickly. When mm-hmm. I was re-listening to this, I'm like, oh shit, two songs left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just I just press play. And it really, it's really something else that time speeds up and slows down, depending on how into it you are. And I am all in on that. I like your comment, best band ever, because
2: that is what I I'm sure I said the same exact thing as you did right there. And I listen, I'm a dead guy. But I get it. And I, I think I probably, at that exact
0: same moment as you went, fuck, these are the, this is the best band ever. Sorry about yeah. that. I no, no know. who
1: cares? Yeah. Now I say I, five I, times say it a it night at, when I listen to Fish. Yeah. I, I say it after the Long boy, but that's what makes me a special. Yeah. <laughs> he does. And they close it
0: with Cavern, where I'm like, oh, we're here already? And it was just a refreshing party set. Yeah. After, you know, kind of a, an uneven, we'll say, East Coast run. In the beginning of the summer, this opening show for the gorge is just yeah. it. It really yeah. put us on the upper level. It made us feel great. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and I think the tour only got better from there personally. Which is yeah, and this was a great launching pad for the rest of the tour. I think you pointed out a great
2: point that before is that is that fifteen. Almost spoiled us. We did. We did the farewell shows in San Fran and in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was just a religious experience. And um, and and what they put out in 15, it was kind of like, you know, I was able to get back in. right in 16. When we went to to, to Mexico and wanted so many shows. I think like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we need more of that. And and, and and but it really was. It kind of was like shit. You know, uh, you know, if we keep comparing it to 15, we're not, we're going to miss the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Missing the moment. Enjoy the moment. But this show, this show kind of started going back to that. Yeah, man. Enjoy now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so they go off for the encore break and come on, which is very unusual. I had to look this up. They played Makasupa Policeman for the encore.
1: This actually might be, and I need to go back and check my shows, but this might be my favorite encore that i remember cuz it's just so unique and it, you get the makasupa wilson which like i had no voice at this point to even <laughs> yell the wilson notes but the the good times bad times is oh. such an oh. awesome awesome what a way to walk awesome out of a building right, right? A you way must way feel
0: out like out. a god yeah. you know to play that solo to play uh, that sick uh, zeppelin rock song mm-hmm. and to walk off be like walk we'll out. see you tomorrow night yeah yeah you walk out on a on just a blissful high like holy shit what did i just say
2: Mm -hmm. at this venue yes i couldn't stop we're walking back up the hill i keep looking over i couldn't stop looking over and Mm -hmm. just going like this wow what the hell what what a moment what a moment in life what life is beautiful
0: the three of us had a lot to say about the grateful dead fish on long island and of course the gorge We didn't quite get everything right, so now it's time for the attendance bias fact check. Ben mentioned that he and his father saw Trey Anastasio open for Tom Petty in 2007 at MSG. That show was actually played on June 20th, 2006. While Petty's set was very well received, Trey's opening set received lukewarm reviews from Simeon Cohen on JamBands.com. The link to his review is on today's show notes. The Jones Beach show that the three of us discussed at the beginning of this episode was played on August 17th, 2010. It was the first of two nights at Jones Beach to close that year's summer tour. As Jeff said, the band opened with Fluffhead, and for some reason, Trey played parts of Wilson and Reba on a tiny toy guitar that, as far as I know, hasn't made a return appearance since. When talking about their family's past shows, Jeff mentioned The Zeppelin Show. He's referring to the famous show from October 30th, 2010 in Atlantic City. For that year's Halloween show, rumors were circulating that the band was going to cover Led Zeppelin's second album. Fish faked out the fanbase, however, by playing lots of Zeppelin songs during soundcheck during the shows leading up to Halloween. On the 30th, the night before Halloween, they weaved various Led Zeppelin songs in and out of Dust Torture and Tweezer, This, of course, spoiled the idea that they would play any Led Zeppelin on Halloween night. When I brought up Fish's show on April 30th, 1994 at the Edge nightclub in Orlando, I made such a big deal of how much I liked that they teased other songs during the intro to David Bowie. It's time for me to listen to that show again, because all of those teases happened during the intro to Possum, not Bowie. I had the right idea, but the wrong song. And that's it for today's episode of Attendance Bias. I'd like to thank Jeff and Ben Fortgang for digitally inviting me into their home. Fish.net for providing all the information we needed. And Fish.in for such an incredible sounding recording of this show. If you enjoy attendance bias, please support the show by leaving a rating and a review of the show on your favorite podcast app, or just tell one person about the podcast, call them, text them, tell them, spread the word. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week on attendance bias.